Hey friends, welcome back. I'm Kenny Jang. This is the Church Online Podcast. Today we have another session with my good friend Dave from Down Under, the proper way to address and introduce my friend Dave Adamson is to say all the way from Down Under is Dave Adamson. Welcome to the broadcast, Dave. Welcome. Oh gosh, am I welcome? Look at that. Am I welcome, really? <laughs> you know, Definitely. It could be that I'm not down under, I'm actually on top. It just depends on your perspective of the earth. Hey, we're Americans here, so everything else is, uh, this is us and this is the world, right? Like, um, hey, so uh, we're back for another session. We had some good conversations in the first two episodes of the season. If you haven't had a chance to catch it, last time we talked about YouTube, your church. So such good insights there. And then the first episode of the season started out with philosophical arguments for this thing called the Meta Church, which Dave has written a book, um, Meta Church, which is available on Amazon and booksellers everywhere, including Down Under. Um, and so today we're going to talk about the Perfect Church Online service. Um, and I'm just going to get right into it, Dave, because I think I, I think I just want to get to one of the key questions that you have agreed to actually discuss spar i don't know what it is we're going to get to it but so the first question to lead into it is let's just get our terms right is church online just broadcasting your service is that really what church online is uh it's what it started out as yes but i think uh the, the the people who you know the church leaders who are really making a difference when it comes to streaming their services they're the ones yeah. who have realized that it's gone beyond broadcast now i think back kenny to when you and i were, were church online pastors in new jersey right um and 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 in those moments it was broadcast it was just here's what's happening in the room and every now and again <clears throat> the person on stage will make a reference to the online audience but it was really just a broadcast thing um what what church online has become as it's started to mature and, and you know you think it's you know started in around 2008 so you know church online is a teenager now and and as it moves into its wait wait wait, wait 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 dave 2008 what what happened in 2008 that you're saying and did it happen on a tuesday at 2 p.m like why why 2008 why church online started in 2008 yeah what 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 is the What's the the milestone there that actually happened? Well, I think you might be talking about the fact that the iPhone came out. Uh, yeah, um, I mean, I, th I think that's what it is, right? There was a huge cultural shift, right? That yeah. consumers and culture and consumption, everything completely changed. Totally, with Steve Jobs. Totally. So as soon as soon as the first iPhone came out, you know, obviously people were online before the iPhone came out, but I think it really made it more in in your face, in your pocket. We all understood in the, in 2008 that we had a computer in our pocket. And so what started to happen at those points is more and more online services uh, started cropping up. But as I said, now that online church is is a teenager we've become a little bit more robust and, and and we're starting to understand a few more things and so one of the things i say now is that um church online as in streaming your service it's not a broadcast um platform it's a narrow cast platform we have the ability now to narrow cast to the people who live within driving distance of your building and what i mean by narrow cast is you know tv is a broadcast medium kenny we could be watching a a an nfl game or a, you know, pick your sport 
we could be watching that on TV as a broadcasting and we can yell at our TV, but our TV presenters are not going to talk back to us. Whereas with an online stream, the way that a church can do it is if we're thinking narrow cast, then we can be broadcast, you know, sending out that content, but having people who are having conversations with the people who could show up at your church building because they live within driving distance of that. They can be having conversations backwards and forwards. They can be answering questions. Hey, the pastor just said this. How does that relate to that? And if you've got a team that's answering those questions, then it really does become a narrow cast thing. Plus also the the churches, I think that are really making headway in this, in this space. They're the ones who understand that it's not just necessarily about reaching the world anymore. And I remember we used to talk about this at Liquid Church in New Jersey. You know, I would have weekly meetings where I was providing reports from the online t- uh, ministry. And we would be saying, oh, my gosh, we had 21 countries watching. And, yeah. and we had this great per- conversation with somebody from Afghanistan. And we all cheered that. And I think that that's great. I think the reality, though, is the average church doesn't necessarily want to reach 21 countries. They just want to reach their county. They just want to reach their 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 city. And so that makes it a lot more narrow cast when you start to invite people to actually come. Mm. I remember when I got to North Point, this huge church in Atlanta, you know, I, I definitely wanted more people to, you know, I wanted people in Australia to be getting Andy Stanley's content. So I was pushing for this international thing, but Andy kept pushing back saying, I was called to serve the people of Atlanta. And so that idea started to change our language. You know, I would host the online service and, and the thing that I would say, or I would have our other volunteers who hosted say, is we stream these services to give you a window into our church, but also to create a doorway into community. And the best way to experience community is to come and visit one of our Atlanta area campuses. Like we were trying to move people from online to on site, And so that was the key part of what, I, what we were doing with our church online. I love it. One of these um, episodes, we're going we're gonna to need to break down all the different models of Church Online because Church Online is not binary. And that's one of the things that we need you as listeners today to help us evangelize what digital ministry and church can be. And it's not just one way to do it. Now, Did you just say down Church Online path, is non-binary? Is that what you just said? I said it is not binary. Correct. Oh, I'm going to tweet that. <laughs> church Online is non-binary. So one of the things that we had arguments when we were both church online pastors back at Liquid Church was the <laughs> length of the service. And look, I will just let's call it out here. People may not know that I'm the guy with a Presbyterian background, right? The sit and soak crowd, as you used to say. And then you're the guy that leads with your guitar on Sundays, right? You want to be up there <laughs> playing your guitar, doing worship in, in community, Right. In that's literally what was a priority for you in terms of your faith expression. And then we yeah. had this, I guess, like this odd couple, Fred and Oscar tension um, that we had as church online pastors is saying, hey, worship music in or out. And yeah. I just want to turn this conversation into a validation that oh, my man. opinion back then um, oh, is something that you've somehow after what is it after 10 years have come around to, Dave, just come around to. um So the question is, what should we do with worship inside this church online service? And let me just break it down even further um, or put some context in it. I think this this is like opening up the Pandora's box for so many people. Mm -hmm. Church online, that worship service does not or should not be exactly the same as what you do in person on site. Yeah. True? yes yes 
Definitely true. Here's the thing. And just if I can provide a little bit of extra context, Kenny, for uh, <laughs> I want to provide some extra context for your listeners. Uh, anybody who knows Kenny and I really well or anybody who has, um, you know, had the opportunity to see Kenny and I interact at, um, you know, a, uh, um, a, a conference or something along those lines knows that Kenny, you and I love to argue. You and I love to go toe to toe with each other. We've come on. We we've been in diners together where you and I are literally yelling at each other, and 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 everybody <laughs> around us is going, "Oh my gosh, are they going to get into? Uh, is are they going to start throwing punches? Like what's going to happen here?" But you and I have known each other for so long that you know I know we we both respect each other. We both totally love each other. And, and oh, I think good. well, I think that's the fun. And I think what it is is, and this again, uh, this is what I love about the church online community. Um, being one of the first church online pastors, you you can definitely attest to this, I think, is that everyone who's in the church online space, if someone comes to you and say, I know how to do it, you're doing it all wrong, that's the only way to do it, then you got to run, right? Like we are all really learning and innovating yeah. every single day together. There's no right totally. answer. There's no wrong answer. And we're innovating. And this is one of the things where in this community, um, I think I found a very good academic sparring partner um, to debate the intricacies of the theology of the logistics all the yes. marketing all that kind of stuff back and forth because it is not a clear clear and cut and dry answer all the time yes. and every church yeah. every ministry is completely different right uh, totally totally so in, in as far as this conversation goes kenny i'm conceding defeat here that in 2008, <laughs> I, I definitely led with a different idea, but this is the great thing, right? My, my opinion has changed as I've experienced more and more and as I've researched more and more data. And I probably came to the same conclusion, but for different and better reasons than you had in back in 2008, when you just assumed <laughs> that I only wanted worship because I was Australian and I was supporting Hillsong Church or something, uh, or we all know that you don't have an emotional bone in your body so you don't connect with the lord emotionally through music and that's okay the the way that i came to this conclusion was based on data specifically on on what the data says and, and looking at the analytics of of church online services for me this became a reality and what we're talking about here is should you stream your the musical worship portion of your yes that's uh, should you stream the musical worship part and for me i would say the answer is no, I don't, I don't think you should anymore. And, and, and there's a couple of different reasons for this. And so I want to unpack that just a, a small little bit. First and foremost, when you stream the musical worship portion of your church, well, hang on, let's go back even further. Music is a way of worshiping. It's not the way of worshiping, right? We, I think we would all agree on that. When you stream that musical portion of your service, um, first of all, if you're streaming on Facebook, you're more than likely going to get flagged and they're going to mute your the, the whole service because there's a copyright issue. Like that's what happens on a consistent basis um, with a lot of churches. So removing the worship allows that to not be an issue anymore. The other thing is, you know, when I think of the musical portion, I always think of, you know, I think you have a Disney Plus subscription, uh, Kenny, but a few years ago, Disney Plus came out with uh, Hamilton Music. Uh, Hamilton, yeah. Hamilton musical, musical. right? They, yes. they, they, they showed that. And, and if you look into the data around that, that um, streaming service 
what they did with Hamilton. What they did was they pulled in the original cast. These are all professional actors, professional singers, like theater level, Broadway level singers. They brought them in. They had to do the whole performance three times. And then they took the best parts of each of those three times to create this one thing that they broadcast. Once they recorded it all, they spent 26, Disney Plus spent $26 million um, fine tuning, uh, auto correcting, you, do you know what I mean? Like uh, mixing the whole thing down so that it could be streamed through a smart TV. Like literally that's what they did, $26 million. Yet the average church takes a group of volunteers on a Sunday, gives them about half an hour to on Sunday morning to, to rehearse and then streams them and they wonder why it sounds bad. Like the reason it sounds bad is not the quality of singers that you have. It's just that you don't have $26 million oh, wait, 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 wait. pushing into the, the mix. Are you saying, so this is interesting. This is, this conversation might be just making a left turn here. Are you saying if the technology and the fidelity of the audio just increased that you would say, bring back the worship? No, I'm not saying that because you haven't let me finish my argument here. The other piece <laughs> of this is, finish and me, again, finish. the other piece of this for me, and just to show all my, put all my cards on the table right now. My philosophy has changed from 2008 to, to 2022. And part of the reason for that is I really believe that we, we should be streaming our services for the people who live within driving distance of our building, who we could potentially move from online to on-site so that we can have online uh, connection, but on-site community. That's what I, I like. I fundamentally believe that. And, and I'd like to think I, I'm going to assume that most church leaders want exactly the same thing. Mm -hmm. And so removing that musical portion of the service, what that does is it gives an incentive. And now this is not the only reason or the reason why that you should do this, but it gives people an incentive to get to the uh, on-site service to experience that worship. You know, you're going to have people going, hey, well, wait, 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 how come you didn't stream the worship? I really like the worship. Well, if you really like it, the best way to experience it is shoulder to shoulder in the room in physical community. I really believe that's the best way to do it. And it's just also calling out something that I think we've all thought, but nobody has really ever said. First of all, when the pandemic hit, what we noticed at North Point was our viewer retention plummeted. Like it, it went from 60 in the high 60% of people were watching 60 plus percent of our service to the uh, low 30s. So it almost halved. And as we looked at the data, as we tracked that, you know, last week we talked about how you can watch a live service and track where people drop off. What we noticed was that people dropped off during worship and they came back for the message. So we said, well, we're going to change that. We're going to remove the worship, put one song at the end of the service, and we our viewer retention went back up. So the data supports this. But more than that, you create a sense of if you want to experience um, musical worship, the best way to do that is in the room. We think that people are standing around their TVs and their computers and their phones with their hands up in the air during worship. But the reality is they're making breakfast, they're making coffee, they're buttering toast, they're surfing online during that musical portion. So why don't we give an incentive for them to get into the room to experience that shoulder to shoulder, you know, everybody in community singing together. I get goosebumps when that happens at church, right? When somebody's singing a song like a, you know, Amazing Grace or something, and we're shoulder to shoulder in community with people in my local community, that gives me goosebumps. I don't experience the same thing when I'm online and I'm just calling out what I think we all assume 
but none of us are, are prepared to say. So I've been, uh, in the book, I advocate for this idea of streaming services without the musical portion. And there are some churches that are starting to do this. There's a church in Michigan that's about to start launching this sort of service. There's a church in uh, the Gold Coast of Australia who's doing the same thing now because they understand that the best way to experience musical worship is actually in person, is actually on site instead of online. Have I given that's, enough uh... of an argument? <laughs> yes. So you didn't uh, all I've heard music because you just don't like singing. But for a, those of you, those of you that just joined us, Dave just said I'm right. Uh, so that's the summary of <laughs> what Dave has said. Um, look, so you're right I, I think... for the wrong reasons. What <laughs> <laughs> one of the one of the things I think that is a footnote here is that um, culture has changed. Yeah, and we need to look at how people are consuming, what channel that they're using, and just because. Uh, worship has been part of the liturgy traditionally for on-site in-person doesn't mean that you should just copy paste it to yeah. an online worship service and yeah. i think what we've done back i don't know this is now eight nine years ago i think at least um we were testing right like uh the the micro services where we put yeah. five worship songs at the front end four three two one we went down to one one song up, up front and then we yeah. put stuff at the end and yeah. i would just say it's something again that we shouldn't that you shouldn't just take as gospel that you heard here but you should actually test it out right like i think people totally. need to figure out what their own community actually responds to and it might totally. be a community that responds to music right like it might be they need more songs up front or yeah yeah the and i think it's really important to say this that there are people in your church or there are potentially people in your church who for whatever reason can't make it on site, whether they've got a health condition, um, a disability, or even if they're just, you know, people who are shift workers um, and, and, you know, mm -hmm. they've, got a, they've got a Sunday shift at the hospital or something along those lines. So there are people for whom online is their lifeline. And I'm not advocating at all that those people should never experience worship. I think in those situations, though, as church leaders, there's probably some creative way we could provide them with worship. One of them might be just, you know, have your worship leaders sit down with an acoustic guitar and a, and a djembe in a, in a room and record them doing a couple of sets of worship and send, the, send that out to those people who can't get into it. So I'm not saying they shouldn't experience it at all. Please make sure you hear that. But I just think for the vast majority of people, we're not doing them the service. We're not doing the giving the band the, the credit and the service that they require for putting in all of that time by having them in uh, stream online in a poor quality. We could do that them way. Uh, we could do way more things for them to get people into the room that helps make that more of a practical experience. Absolutely. Well, um, I love sparring with you, Dave. I think that's uh, it's a uh, it's a <laughs> it should be a national pa pastime um, to either spar or watch these uh, academic battles that we have. Now, um, I will say though, again, it comes back to manpower, um, human resources. Yeah, um, I sure. just had a conversation with a local pastor here in Jersey, who literally asked me privately on a phone call. Um, there was a group sending that I was in with them. And then he asked me for a private phone call after. And he literally, the, the reason of the call was asking me what they should be doing with their live streaming. That now that 
for the most part here in Jersey that COVID's effects um, are gone now. Uh, we're mm-hmm. not 100%, 100% back to normal, but um, the number of people watching online has drastically declined versus the, the height of the pandemic. Yeah. And he's saying that he's wondering if he should just stop streaming his services on Sunday mm-hmm. and abandon church online. Now, there are, uh, I think, a growing number of churches considering this because, uh, yeah. quite frankly, the numbers are showing them that people are not attending online as that they used to. Yeah. Um, and so what should a smaller church in particular, Dave, do if they don't have those resources to stream on Sunday, to have the volunteer, to have the camera person, to have the setup and teardown. Um, what what do you say to uh, an, a team like that? Yeah, I mean, I would say that for, for some churches, the most innovative thing they could possibly do is to not stream their Sunday services. That might be the most innovative step that wow. they take. Um, but they should be leveraging technology. They should be leveraging digital tools and online tools in other ways to stay connected with their community. It just might not look like streaming on a Sunday. I think, you know, when, when the pandemic hit, Kenny, and, and, and churches had to close their doors, live stream became mainstream, right? That, yeah. I mean, that's, everybody did it. And so everybody thought, well, that's what we have to do. Now, there are some churches for whom philosophically they, they just see... Uh, you know, this online church thing is just a short-term mission trip they did during COVID and now they're back and they can (laughs) dump everything. Um, I don't think that, and that's not what I'm advocating for at all, but I think there are churches, those, you know, who have fewer resources or maybe are in a smaller community who may be streaming your services on a Sunday. You should stop doing that and instead put that time and that energy into making a more robust uh, connection and engagement points with your social media or by producing a midweek podcast that unpacks that Sunday message in greater detail. Maybe it's a podcast that, uh, you know, addresses the specific felt needs in your local community. I mean, just just a couple of months ago, my wife and I, uh, our company here, we, we got to work with this church in a place called Rockhampton, Queensland, which is a town of about 50,000 people it's a little bit more rural, a little bit tropical Australia. And, you know, one of the first questions I asked the local pastor then when we went to work with this smaller church was, hey, what is the biggest issue that is faced by the average person? Like, what's the biggest social issue in Rockhampton? And he said, domestic violence is a big thing. And more and more people are trying to um, help serve the children who come from homes where where domestic violence is, is prevalent. And I said to him, well, what are you doing to help those kids and that could be the thing that a church does instead of putting resources into streaming services why don't you put resources into helping that specific need or speaking to the parents uh, you know who are engaged with that and providing some online counseling maybe that that could be a better way to leverage technology than streaming your sunday services so yeah it doesn't have to look one way i think uh, there was a time when you said that um, you know, stream, you know, online church is non-binary, and I would agree with that. Um, it's not doesn't have to look one specific way; it can look multiple ways. And if your church is best suited to create some uh, midweek content that addresses the felt needs in your local community instead of streaming on Sunday, then do that. Don't feel like you have to yeah. be locked in. And I would advocate strongly for that. That's a that's a great word. Um, on that note, I'm gonna put the bookmark here um 
bookend here for the conversation because I think this can go on and on. I think so much of this conversation is quite interesting. Um, we'll, we'll have to postpone this next question. We had a bunch of questions that we were going to go through and actually address. But next time, I want to talk about digital discipleship. Like what yeah. actually should the pathway be? So many uh, churches talk about church online. And then the next question is, what do we do outside of Sundays? What's that disciples yeah. pathway look like? So we'll, let's let's tackle that next time here on the pack, podcast, Dave. Um, can, as I we read, this, can I tease my yeah. answer with this? I want to yeah. tease my answer to that question with this. I think we have never been, as a church, capital C Church, we have never been better equipped to uh, replicate Jesus's first century model of discipleship with 21st century tools. Hmm. That's my tease. That is, uh, I want to unpack that next time. That's, that's a very interesting um, thing to frame there. So um, one of the things, again, the thing that we've been hearing from you that you guys have been liking these conversations, hopefully you like the sparring that's going on. We'd love to hear, have some feedback on that. Um, but would you let us know where you are on the journey for digital discipleship yeah. and this church online that we talked about today? Um, because yeah. one of the things that we're hearing from you is that you want to connect with other church leaders wrestling through these things. Again, yeah. church online is not binary. There's not just one way to do it or no ways to do it. There's so many different ways to do it. Um, and what I'm hearing is that you there might be some value to pull together some cohorts to process all that through yeah. and learn some of the best practices that's happening out on the innovation front. So uh, reach out to me, Kenny, at churchtechtoday.com. Let me know where you are on the journey for both Church Online, but also on your discipleship pathway. And next week, we'll be back with the Church Online podcast. And uh, Dave and I, let's let's sit down and nerd out on digital discipleship. And I would also um, love to, Kenny, I would love if they could also email you and and give their opinion on who would win in a fist fight with, between you and I. <laughs> I would love to know what they think. Who would win uh, in a fist fight between you and I? That's one of the. Let's do one of those screenshots. I, I, I have to be pointing. Let's. Uh, we can do a screen screen grab. You have to turn the other way. You have to turn the other way. I'll turn the other way, Kenny. There we go. There it is. <laughs> okay. There you have it. That'll be the question of the week here on the Church Online Podcast. Who would win, Kenny or Dave? Let us know, and we'll check you out here next week for another episode of the Church Online Podcast. Well. I hope you found value out of today's conversation. This podcast is made possible by our friends at Faith Life. Faith Life has been using technology to equip the church to grow in the light of the Bible for 30 years. Since 1992, Faith Life has developed a full suite of church management tools, academic study resources, smart digital books, and Logos Bible software, all part of its integrated ministry platform that automates tasks and simplifies workflows. For more information, visit faithlife.com. Till next time, remember, be social, stay social.